0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be. Thank you, beloved in Christ. Good to be here together again. We survived Clean Week. We made our, our first portion of our offering that Abedrothius calls the tithe tithe of the year. This time of fasting. We covered a lot of ground this past week. We sang together the canon of repentance. And while some I think did shed heartfelt tears in the absence of tears, many of us shed beads of sweat, deep sighs and longing for true repentance. We experienced the depth and the solemnity of the pre-sanctified liturgy and we ended with the, the triumphal theme song of the Orthodox Christian life when we sang the Akathos to the Theotokos and like we heard today, we sing, sing out to thee, the champion leader, to our most holy lady in whom the triumph of life over death began. I want to remind you of a couple of little things. One, this portion of the year that we offer unto God that we call Great Lent, um, it is relatively short. It is relatively short. It's relatively long too. You could say. (laughs) Right back at me. Yeah father. (laughs) Compared to what it used to be. It used to be two days of strict fasting. And then it slowly extended. Into 40 days. Emulating that 40 days of our Lord. Going out into the wilderness. The 40 days of Moses. Up on Mount Sinai. The 40 years of the people of Israel wandering in the desert. And we do our little wandering, but not without guidance, but with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The church is inspiring us, leading us in the way in which we need to go. If you weren't able to be here this week, beat yourself up. No, I'm just kidding. If you weren't able to be here this week, at all or as much as you would have liked. Know this. I had this sense this week. I was thinking about this. We were doing prostrations. And I was thinking, you know, there are those who can't, who can't do a prostration. There were those who were not able to, to be here for whatever reason. Um, and while I was making my little meager effort to pray, I was thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm not just doing these for myself, like I'm doing them for you too, if you're not here. A friend of mine once said something really profound. He said, when we pray for others, we're not just praying for them, maybe we're praying like in their stead, in a way. We're bringing them up within ourselves. Our lives are inextricably bound. And so when we pray for someone, we're not just praying for them. We're actually praying with them in a way. So if you weren't able to be here, please know that you were here in a way. Because every single one of you who has entered into one another's lives has entered into the heart of one another. And any offering that we make to God, we make together. I really experienced that this week during those prayers. I felt all of you within me during the time of doing these beautiful services. Today we have the first time we do the the liturgy of St. Basil the Great. A little bit longer, some prayers, and I ask that When you find the prayers lengthening a a little bit, that you also enter into the prayers with me, not like when is he going to be done with the the long prayers, but you're you're praying with me, in me, through me, you know, in a way as a community. Again, we talked about a lot of beautiful things. We talked about this being a season season of putting vanity to death. And one of the things I tried to emphasize was allowing for the suspension of time. Allow yourself to lose track of time to be with God. When you come to church, try not to think, when is it going to be over? Try to lose track of time in the service and pray. Be present. And then when it's over, it will be over. And then you'll have something else to do. God will have something else in store for you. But while we're here, and in our lives too, I think it's important that the season of Great Lent is calling us to simplify a little bit. To be with God, to prioritize time with Him and with one another, and to even lose track of time a little bit. The clock will still be ticking when you look back at it, I guarantee you. But it can wait. It can wait for Christ, who stands outside of time and wants to spend time with us. Another thing that I mentioned that I think will tie into today's theme is this is a time of trying to go deeper, going deeper and how easy it is to skirt along the surface of things. I remember a priest once said, Every depth has a surface, but not every surface has a depth. Every depth has a surface, but not, not every surface has a depth. And a lot of times we don't take, we don't take the time to explore what... We see the surface, we don't, we don't explore what's beneath it. Think about the way we view other people. Coming to, striving, you know, coming to conclusions about them on the basis of the sur- surface and not the depth. And today in the Holy Orthodox Church, we are commemorating what we call the Sunday of Orthodoxy. The triumph of Orthodoxy. The restoration of icons in the early 800s in the church. And when I was reflecting on that idea of limiting ourselves to the surface and not seeing the depths of things, today's gospel reading came to mind. What was the first thing that Nathaniel said when he was being retrieved by Philip? Philip? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He had already drawn his conclusions about the surface of things, didn't he? And the answer was, come and see. Come and see. Check it out. Think about it. Explore it. And then, of course, he went and encountered our Lord who said, ah, you know, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Nathaniel said, how do you know me? He said, I saw you under the fig tree. I heard a teacher once say that that image of being under the fig tree was, in Judaism, some, some Jew- Jewish teaching was to be in deep prayer. As if to say, I saw you when you were in deep prayer. But it doesn't matter. I saw, I saw you where you were at. And then he proclaimed him as A teacher, but also as the king of Israel. Profound. He saw not just the surface. Jesus revealed the depth of his person. And that's what he came to do. He came to reveal himself as a living person, a living being. What I want to say today, one of the main points I want to make, is that God is not a concept. I think often we would like Him to be. Because if God were a concept or an idea, then we could conform Him to our preferences. But the moment a concrete revelation is put right in front of you, like Nathaniel standing before our Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh, he could no longer imagine who the king of Israel was to be, would be, or would look like, or would act like he saw for himself. No more room for his imagination. One of the things that I mentioned this week was that if we put our imagination aside and we allow God to reveal himself to us, he will lead us to things that are beyond the limits of our imagination. (laughs) Namely, the realization of what is uncreated and what is most real, what we perceive of as real, is nothing compared to what we call, might call the realness of God. God is real or beyond any real that we can imagine. But a lot of times we like to, we like to limit our awareness. Why? Why would we want to limit our awareness? of God especially as a, of God as a person who's revealed himself in the flesh well the icons bear witness to it to that very reality the moment you see something outside of yourself that claims to be true you have to d- determine whether or not you believe it to be true and the Lord bids, again, I, today's gospel reading, follow me, right? He said, follow me. To Philip, when he, when he encountered him, follow me. And he could have said, well, I don't believe you are who you say you are. I will not follow you. Or he could say, I'm willing to take that risk. I'm going to follow you. The icons bear witness to, to a profound reality to us the reality that God is real, that He's more than just a concept, that He's something outside of ourselves, that He lived in the flesh. And I think one of the, one of the reasons that, that people have struggled with the use of religious imagery and iconography for so long is because it's seemingly limiting. We would say something like, how can we limit God to you know, an image like this? You could say that's that's Jesus. Well, what I think we're concerned with is the compromise of our own perceived freedom of perception. In fact, we're 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 challenged by what we superficial persons see as a two-dimensional image. And we can say, how could God be limited in such a way? That's a form of idolatry. But what we see is not just a surface, but a depth in the icon. Oftentimes, they're referred to as windows. Windows. When we look at an icon, especially an icon of Christ, but also of the saints, who reveal the uncreated glory of God in a physical manner, to meet us where we're at, we're invited to enter into that reality of life in Christ, who has revealed himself again, who took on a body, who became man. It's so strange to us in this day and age, also of consumerism, of just purchasing things and throwing, throwing them away, that we would value something like that's that has like particle board on the back, you know. Particle board it's printed out as a little varnish on the outside. I mean, what we might see what, what, or what, what, we, what we might see is a piece of wood with some paint. And something that's supposed to remind us of Jesus. That's because that's because we tend to be re- relatively shallow. That's why we Need to go deeper and enter into uh, what the image represents. There were many who saw Jesus in the flesh and didn't believe who who he was, who he is, and walked away from him. The church understand has understood how weak we are and how limited we are intellectually, and that We need the constant reiteration of the reality that God became man in the flesh. And so from the early days, the church is always presented to us in pictorial form, the icon of our Lord, of his most holy mother, of the stories of the scriptures and of the saints. Remember this, that the Lord became flesh and dwelt among us. I heard someone say the Lord didn't become paper. The Lord didn't become a spoken word in the English language. But he became flesh, something visible. Something far more profound than the limitations of the spoken word and its interpretation. But something dynamic. Expressing that which is even beyond words. That's the power and the genius of the icon. An icon is more than just a piece of wood and some pigment. It's a presence. It's a revelation. It's a manifestation of what it is that we believe to be true. There's a sense in which if you understand the icon, you could say you understand everything. Everything. St. John of Damascus said, if a pagan asks you to show him your faith, take him to the church and place him before the icons. Show him around. This is what we believe. It's been hard for Christians to uphold the icon, especially in the early, the first millennium, and especially under the influence of Islam who reject all imagery. There were many times of persecution in which I think that, you know, political leaders and church leaders fell on, under the sway of outside influence. They tried to take the icons away, but many, many times the people hid them, hid them held on to them, venerated them. And finally, finally, in the, on this great day, in the early 800s, for the, for the final time, really. There was the presentation of the icons in the church by the Empress Theodora, who was a lover of icons. The people solemnly sung, Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal, have mercy on us. Forgive us, Lord, for rejecting the reality that you became man in the flesh by trying to hide away the God-inspired teaching that you've given us. They held high the icons and all that they represent, all the implications of the teachings and all that that teaching demands that the Lord became flesh so that we may in the flesh become like Him. The icon for us is more than just A piece of religious art. I once heard a monk who was being interviewed about icons. And someone said, religious art. And he quickly said, no, not art. I love that. Not art. It's a revelation. And it's a proclamation of faith. Today we're going to have an icon procession. You know, you as living icons. You are living icons too. Images, living icons of God. And you have li- as living icons are going to hold up icons representing those who have come before us to reveal what we're called to be. It's a high calling. It's a high calling, but it's not a calling that cannot be accomplished. Indeed, it's a calling that can be because by God, all things are possible. What is impossible for man? Yes, possible. Possible for God. When you grab onto that icon, I encourage you to hold it high and I encourage you to to love your icons, venerate them at home and draw near to the saints and get to know them, but also contemplate what they mean for you. Hold high the icons in triumph, but also in all humility. Asking God, how is it, Lord, that I can accomplish the work that you would like to accomplish within me by the grace of your Holy Spirit, that I might become a living icon as well? A dynamic presence, a manifestation, and a revelation of the presence of God in the flesh, in this world. What a beautiful calling that is. And it's not about us. And just like it's not about the wood or the pigment, it's about the God who is the creator of it all, who seeks to reveal himself in and through all that has been made. So hold the icon high. Venerate your icons. Contemplate them. Think about the Lord who came in the flesh. Bear witness to the theological expression of that which is real. And proclaim with joy and humility the one true faith. The reality of the incarnation and its claim on our lives. Let us celebrate this holy feast together with joy, my beloved. And let us continue to go deeper during this holy season of great Lent. That God may make of us that very perfect and unique and creative and dynamic revelation of himself that he longs for us to be. And let us also, when we see others and when we see the world around us, not limit us to seeing the surface, but plunging beneath the depths to see what God has made there, that in all people, in all places, in all things, we may indeed find him who is everywhere present and filling all things. Amen.